Welcome to the Sword and Trowel. The Sword and Trowel is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders Exist for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundy. Glad to have you join us again for this conversation, and we want to remind you that we have coming up in January 2023, the National Founders Conference here in Southwest Florida, where we will be considering the doctrine of man. What is man? That's the question. There's hardly a more timely question in our culture today. And so we've invited Joel Beakey and Vody Balkum and Paul Washer and Bradley uh, Pierce, Pierce, to join us here uh, for that conference. And we also have a, a special opportunity in this 2023 conference. It will mark the 40th anniversary of Founders Ministry. So we're inviting back uh, some of the original board members, the ones that are still with us, still here uh, in the land of the dying, as uh, one of the Puritans put it. And that is Tom Nettles and Fred Malone and my brother Bill Askell. And so they'll be joining me. We have a special panel discussion with them just to reflect on 40 years of God's grace and goodness to us at Founders. So if you want to come to the conference, we encourage you to sign up. Registrations are filling up quickly. We do anticipate this to be sold out, and we would love for you to come if you have an interest in joining us. Speaking of Dr. Fred Malone, uh, we have coming out here pretty soon from Founders Press a new little booklet called A String of Pearls Unstrung, A Theological Journey into Believer's Baptism, which comes out of uh, Dr. Malone's book on uh, the baptism of disciples alone, which was a very helpful book for me Mm -hmm. when I was in my undergrad at a very Presbyterian school. Mm -hmm. Praise God for Presbyterians. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I never became a Presbyterian uh, because of the arguments of Fred Malone and others. And so it's very helpful. So we're going to be publishing that soon. And you can pre-order that booklet, A String of Pearls Unstrung, for $7 at the Founders' website. Yeah, it's a great little uh, kind of a a theological journal of sorts of what he went through, and he handled it very honorably going before his session and then the presbytery and uh, giving his explanations, and it was a very cordial separation, very painful, Mm -hmm. obviously, but very cordial separation. So there's much to learn both in what the arguments are and how the arguments were set forth in a very fraternal spirit. So mm-hmm. we commend that to you. It'll be available here in a few weeks. Well, today we're delighted to have with us Greg Jones, who is the president of the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust. And uh, Greg is coming to us today from North Florida, though he originally is from Wales. And he is a a businessman who uh, spent uh, some of his life investing in marketing and healthcare and came to know about Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and was burdened to see his ministry gain a wider hearing for the current generation and future generations. And so he's been heavily involved in this Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust, which is available on the internet, making available the wonderful teachings that uh, the, the doctor came up with through the ministry of God's grace in his own life. And I know I've been tremendously helped by Lloyd-Jones in so many ways, and Graham, you and I have talked about him. We, uh, he's a hero. He's a, a stalwart, one of the great teachers that Christ gave to his church. And Greg, we're delighted to have you join us today to talk about this ongoing ministry. So thank you for being with us. Thank you, Tom. Good to see you again. Glad to be here. And uh, Graham also, good to, good to be with you. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. And tell us, if you don't mind, how, how did you first come in contact with Martin Lloyd-Jones? And then what, what led to your involvement in what is now the MLJ Trust? Yeah, I'd be happy to share, uh, Tom. So I, I grew up, I was born and raised in uh, the Port Talbot, the the place where Dr. Lloyd-Jones first uh, ministered. 
And I often uh, remark that in that town, the name Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones isn't really that well known. Uh, I think in evangelical circles, or we go to churches that we visit, oftentimes there's a common thread of people who love the gospel, love the preaching of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in America. However, it's just not the case in Wales. Far more touted are the stars in sports or the stars of the stage that have heralded from that town, Port Talbot. So um, you know, even though I grew up there, I didn't actually start even hearing about the name until I started going to a, a church in the town, where, um, which actually had spun off from the church that Dr. Lloyd-Jones, Dr. Lloyd-Jones ministered at uh, Bethlehem uh, Church there in Port Talbot, also known as Sandfields, where mm-hmm. I where I lived, and uh, there was a church that had come uh, from that church. So I started to hear the name of where he used to live, some of the things he used to do. But it's interesting that I never, um, while I knew the name, I didn't actually start listening to Dr. Lloyd-Jones until I came to the United States. I came to the the U.S. around 2008. I wasn't saved myself to my mid-20s. So a little later, I came uh, to, to Christ and then moved to the U.S., and I can't exactly remember how, but somebody must have mentioned that you can listen to the sermons of Lloyd-Jones um, online, and I came across the MLJ Trust, and uh, it was just wonderful, and it still is today, just just wonderful meat and doctrine and uh, just his way of teaching and, and bringing out God's truths from his word, just I, I loved it, and it was a great joy in my life. And I would go into work in the morning and uh, listen listen to us to a sermon. And it was in many ways it was the highlight of the day. You know, you go in, you get prepared uh, for the day. So that's how I first came across it. Uh, even though I heard the name growing up somewhat in the town, mm-hmm. um, but it was in the United States that I uh, really started uh, listening to uh, Dr. Lloyd Jones, and and also at that time a mentor of mine was. Uh, a um, in in Wales was uh, in some ways a, a mentored himself by Dr Lloyd Jones and he uh, he was a Welsh preacher faithful man and he had recommended to me uh, Ian Murray's autobiography mm. and I just remember devouring that and uh, it's it's interesting I'm actually reading through it again now um, a second time about probably close to seven or eight years after I first started it and. Um, it's taken on new light, and it's. Uh, I've, I've spent the last four years myself in seminary, so I'm reading it after seminary, and it's now I'm learning to, I think, to appreciate some of the battles that that he had in his ministry. So, anyway, um, at 2017, Tom, as you mentioned, I, I was in um, business. Uh, I was a business running a healthcare IT consulting company. And I had the opportunity to exit that business and in 2017. I started to, I wanted to evaluate the, the call to ministry and, and realize I needed some training. And uh, so I exited that and I called up um, Jonathan Catherwood at the time, who was the president of the MLJ Trust and Dr. Lloyd Jones's grandson. And I asked him, you know, I have, uh, have a bit more time. I love the ministry. I love the books and, and the, the, particularly the preaching. So I asked him if there's any way that I could be involved or help out. And Jonathan just welcomed me with open arms. And mm. a lot of what I'd done in, in business uh, was um, digital marketing, as you, as you mentioned, the bringing in of leads through 
through the internet and using the internet to capture sales leads. And, uh, you know, ultimately MLJ Trust is a, is a website and that's that Jonathan appreciated that and welcomed my input. So we started to think, how can we get this gold mine, this treasure of God's gospel truth preached faithfully? How can we get this out uh, to the world and, and what can, how better can we be using the internet to do that? So in 2017, I, I started volunteering and we are an all volunteer, still our all volunteer ministry. And I started volunteering in 2017 and uh, we embarked upon a big uh, SEO project, search engine optimization project. And uh, in many ways that's ongoing, that never stops. So, and then in 2019, Jonathan asked me to, and uh, the other board members asked me to join the board in, in 2019. And then Jonathan retired about a year ago. So since then, uh, the board asked me to take on the role of president of the trust. And I've been um, delighted to d- fulfill that that role because I, I love the gospel. I love uh, the gospel faithfully preached. And uh, as a result, I love this, this ministry and uh, have been, it's been thrilling to, uh, uh, to be involved uh, in this. Wonderful, wonderful. I was trying to remember the first time I heard of Lloyd-Jones. I'm sure it was at seminary because I remember some uh, older students who had talked about driving across the country to hear Lloyd-Jones preach one of the last times he was in the United States. And I think he died while I was in seminary in 1980 or 81, right in there, uh, if I remember right. And um, hearing about that, it, it was a sad moment for me because by that point, I'd gotten a lot of my theology sorted out from uh, it being all over the map uh, in places it shouldn't have been. (laughs) And uh, Lloyd-Jones was helpful in that. But then it was through meeting Ernie Reisinger, who was uh, friends with Lloyd-Jones, that I really came to gain an appreciation from him. And I have to tell you a a funny story. Ernie was a a businessman, kind of a a hard scrabble guy when God saved him and it was a marvelous conversion. He became a great evangelist, uh, planted a church uh, up in Pennsylvania that, that now uh, that city, that town, Carlisle, is the Banner of Truth headquarters in North America mm-hmm. because of Ernie's influence. Ernie just kept ordering so many Banner books. They finally called <laughs> and said, who are you? you know, and, and they just opened up a, a, an office in Carlisle. But the first time that Lloyd-Jones came to America, Ernie hosted him, and they went to Niagara Falls. And so Ernie had endeared himself to Lloyd-Jones by, uh, he had a, a young seminary student he was trying to, to guide to a right school. And so he wrote Lloyd-Jones, he said, Where can, wh- where's a school that I can send a young man that has good Presbyterian theology and good Pentecostal fire? And that, that combination kind of resonated with uh, the doctor. So they're sitting at, at the Niagara Falls eating at this restaurant and Ernie's just peppering him with theological questions. You know, what about this? What about this? And he said, finally, he said the doctor w- was looking at the falls and finally looked at him and said, do you have an aesthetic bone in your body? <laughs> <laughs> so Ernie got quiet uh, for a little while after that. But it was through that relationship that he, he gave me a lot of Lloyd-Jones books. And uh, as you said, the, the biography, the two-volume biography by Ian Murray, um, God used volume one to keep me in the ministry. It was a really low point in my life. And I read that and it was just like a bomb for my soul to see the grace of God through this man, uh, through some really trying, challenging times and see the spirit of God come 
Um, I just, I can't recommend it enough. In fact, I was, when volume two came out, I was so scared to read it because I knew I'd be let down (laughs) because I just knew it couldn't be as good as volume one. And it really is different than volume one. I think volume two is more like a historical theology of the 20th century and it's so instructive and helpful. Mm. But anyway, Mm. hearing you say that makes me want to go back through them again. I've dipped into volume one multiple times, but I probably just need to read straight back through them. Graham, how did you yeah. uh, come to know about Lloyd-Jones? Yeah, the first time I had ever heard the name was in undergrad, and the first time I'd ever heard a sermon is a college friend of mine would fall asleep listening to Lloyd-Jones sermons. So mm. he'd listen to one every night. I don't know how at you least, do that. At least one every <laughs> night, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So actually, uh, Lloyd-Jones, um, other than yourself, Pastor Tom, is our favorite person. Uh, pastor to listen to, preacher to listen to, my wife and I. When you want to go to sleep, is that what you're saying? (laughs) No, no, no. No, No, we listen to you when we want to go to sleep. (laughs) Um, But yeah, also his his, uh, uh, biography by Ian uh, has been really helpful for me as well. It's on our list for our pastoral interns to read, and it's it's quite a big uh, biography. Yeah. So, Greg, tell us about the trust. Uh, how How's that work going? What do you see in terms of uh, people utilizing the resources there? I mean, there are tons of resources on this website. It's mljtrust.org. Is that right? That's correct. MLJtrust.org. Yeah, we'll link to all that. But uh, tell us about how that work is going and, and how it's expanding. Yeah, no, thanks, Tom. Um, so the... Trust uh, came to the United States in 2013 as a base. This is where Jonathan uh, was based with a view to making the sermons free of charge and as widely available as possible through through the internet. So that's been since 2013. And, and things, you know, started as normal with, with an online, uh, with a ministry like of, of, of this um, started uh, small, but we've been picking up numbers um, considerably, and it's it's very interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll just give you some high level numbers. Since the um, since we started in 2013, we've had over uh, 14 million uh, listens wow. to the various um, sermons, and of late, the numbers have um, re- really since uh, 2016 have been uh, propelling quite. Uh, quite quickly i was looking we're about um where we're at this year uh, already in july is uh, already past where we were in 2016 so there's definitely been an uptick of you know 80 percent, 100 percent gains over the last few years uh, which is very exciting and, and it's 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 interesting because um the sources are coming not from people like you and i who will search for lloyd jones sermon on the kingship of christ mm-hmm. or something something like that they're coming from people who are looking for sermon on the kingship of Christ or, you know, people who don't necessarily know the ministry of Dr. Lloyd-Jones and aren't in some of the perhaps evangelical circles that, that, that we are and the name is commonplace. So that's that's very exciting, that kind of new frontier. That's the focus, I think. There's a, there's a twin focus. We look to edify, you know, provide gospel-centered, faithful preaching to, uh, to to God's children and the saints. But there's also an evangelical side of the ministry, um, evangelistic, excuse me, uh, side of the ministry, where we're looking to reach out to those people online who are looking for sermons, who come in with an intent to listen to a sermon on a topic. Those are the people that we, particularly we're passionate about in trying to get these sermons in front of those people. Because you'll know, Tom and Graham, that uh, the internet is replete with false t- teaching. And uh, I rejoice. And, and, you know, the old 
I, I used to compete with my competitors in business. Well, now I'm, I, I look at it as competing against some of the false teachers online. And I rejoice when um, the, the, I was looking at an example recently where on the term Sermon on the Blood of Christ, you can imagine there's some really wacky false teaching on that topic. And now, you know, um, we're starting to compete with those people and starting to um, provide Dr. Lloyd-Jones's preaching up there with some of the the false stuff that's, that's out there. So, and, and there are thousands of these battles. There's 1,600 sermons in total, which is an absolute treasure. And, um, you know, we're very indebted to the people in Westminster Chapel who took the time and uh, you, to to do the, the recording, um, I'll share. I, I heard a, a funny story once that Dr. Lloyd Jones was not keen on the recording of his sermons. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine that you know that from if you've listened to him, if you've read his stuff, you, you can understand why. And, and uh, I didn't he call it an abomination? That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And apparently he, he came to the back of the church uh, once and he would ask them, you know, what, what are you doing back here? What's all, what, what's all this? And they would say, we're recording. The sermons, oh, I, I don't like that. I don't want, but they would tell him that they were, and I don't believe they were in any way being disingenuous by this statement, but they would tell him that there were uh, two old ladies in Shropshire, a county in England who, who couldn't make it to the chapel. So they keep the tapes for those uh, two old ladies so that they could listen uh, to them. And that would, uh, apparently that would appease Dr. Lloyd Jones so that he would, you know, kind of quell his conscience and allow them to record. So uh, through those two old ladies in Shropshire and through the work um, of the the many uh, saints who we don't know of, uh, we don't remember, but they were doing God's work by recording those sermons as part of the body of Christ there at Westminster Chapel. And uh, they've, um, yeah, so they've, they, they, they recorded them for us and, uh, you know, we, we, we benefit from, from that. So, yeah, that's the focus, Tom, as I said, is the edification, the providing for God's people, but then also that evangelistic aspect. And that's, that's exciting to see those numbers. And I'll finish with this by, uh, by saying that we don't know the effect that that's having, you know, when the gospel is preached, it's going out and we never will know, but I do know this, that God speaks through his word mm. and he was a faithful expositor and uh, it's exciting to 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 think of that that these these truths are going out um into the into the world and at the moment you know with the we've seen some good increases um it, we just want to keep maximizing that and 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 riding this horse as far as it will go and as the numbers keep increasing you know uh, keep keep doing what we're doing that's wonderful. If I recall correctly, the way that he felt about his sermons being recorded, he had similar sentiments when it came to writing his sermons as well, publishing them. Is that correct? Yeah, he was hesitant, wasn't he, until late in his life. He didn't really start publishing. Yeah, so that's right. I think, um, you know, if you uh, look, he retired in 1968, and uh, that was, but, but he was looking forward then to actually putting some of his sermons in print. You know, he was, have always said he was he was a primarily a, a preacher, and you know, whereas he did produce, there were some works produced. I think Sermon on the Mount was was an early one, which is a just a wonderful mm-hmm. exposition, a, a timeless classic. Um, that was one of the ones. But then he was looking forward um, to going and, and actually getting the um, some of the 
sermons that he'd done. And it's interesting to note that he went to his series on Romans first. Mm. That was where he put his attention, uh, first of all, because I think it's probably the the epistle that he spent, well, I mean, he spent 11 years, 366 sermons going through uh, Romans. And, um, you know, so I think that was his uh, magnum opus, if you will. Um, and then second to that was his work on um, on Ephesians. But but I, I'd agree with you in this, Graham, that he was primarily a, a preacher. Mm. You know, that's where his focus was. He, he believed that was the need of the church, is the gospel, but the gospel proclaimed, gospel preached. And that's why he dedicated his life until his health simply wouldn't um, allow him to do that with the frequency that he'd done uh, throughout his life in ministry. Of course, after he retired, he spent a lot of time traveling and, and doing itinerant ministry around the country, which he did throughout his ministry as well. You know, he would spend a lot of the middle of the weeks traveling to uh, different parishes in England and Wales, and later in Scotland as well. He he did um, develop an affinity with certain uh, churches in Scotland, but particularly in his homeland of Wales and England, he would travel around. So, you know, you have to think there wouldn't have been a whole lot of time either because he was preaching. Uh, he was preaching on the Friday night, the which is where the Roman series come from, the Friday night lectures, uh, which was very well attended, you know, with the London School of Theology students used to attend that. J.I. Packer and, and many others came from, used to attend those and, uh, and then he would preach to, his, his model was uh, saints in the morning, sinners at night. So he would preach mm-hmm. to the, the church on a Sunday morning uh, with, you know, of course, there's always in something for both sides, but uh, he would preach for the you know, edification of God's children in the morning. And then in the evening, he tended to put a more evangelistic uh, sway on, on the sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was his model, so preaching three times a week and then visiting uh, churches around the country during the week it's just an amazing workload um which as men who who handle god's word each week you, you know i'm sure you have appreciation of just the amount of work that that must yeah. have must have been yeah no doubt no doubt i i was uh reflecting anticipating this conversation on the books of lloyd jones uh, that have impacted me the most. And I, I remember reading Preaching and Preachers, which were uh, lectures at Yale, I think, that uh, he gave, and just being mesmerized by that because the homiletics textbooks and things that I had read up to that point, you know, they were good and helpful in terms of mechanics and things like that, but but this was a theology of preaching. This this was understanding what is going on in the preaching event leading up to and, and with the delivery. And that book has been a staple of mine. Anytime I've tried to encourage uh, young preachers, that, that's one of the top of the list books for me. And then what you mentioned about the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I preached through that early in my ministry here at Grace Baptist in Cape Coral. And Lloyd-Jones, I just fed on Lloyd-Jones. I, I discovered later, I came across uh, some manuscripts, hand, or typed-out manuscripts from older manuscripts of William Perkins, and he relied a lot on Perkins and to mm. see that Puritan mindset that was updated and made accessible was incredibly helpful to me. I'm preaching through Romans mm-hmm. right now, trying to keep up reading uh, Lloyd-Jones. I'm not able to read every sermon mm. uh, of his, but oh my, how I've been helped by him. In fact, there have been times I've thought about when I got to the pulpit just saying, you know what, this would be time better spent if I just read this sermon to you from uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He just covers it so well. So praise mm-hmm. God for that faithfulness and for the... Um, 
the stewardship of it that makes it available today. And speaking of his use mm-hmm. of Perkins, I think a lot of us in um, maybe Reformed evangelicalism, particularly here in the States, we don't recognize how influential Dr. Lloyd-Jones was mm-hmm. and how he really was able to bring the Puritans from the 16th, 17th oh, century yeah, into right. our own age. Um, I think without his work, I mean, the Lord is sovereign in, in his providence. He'll do what he does. But without the work of Lloyd-Jones, I don't think we would have such you know wide access to the Puritans or wide knowledge of the Puritans today. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, one of his uh, lectures on and then turned into a book called Spiritual Depression, that mm-hmm. has been tremendously helpful. And I don't know, We've I've suggested this a couple of times to different people. It might be useful to have that book retitled because, I mean, it is about and it helps with with depression. But it is so much more than what we typically think of being depression today in mm-hmm. just spiritual formation and how do you deal with your soul mm-hmm. before God. So um, I don't know if you have any influence on that, but uh, you can tell them there's a preacher down in southwest Florida that thinks maybe a new title would reach a broader audience mm-hmm. uh, with that those lectures on spiritual depression. Mm-hmm. Greg, what have you seen to be maybe the most popularly accessed resources from the MLJ Trust website. Any, anything that you can just look at and say, yeah, this is perennially the case, or maybe some that have been seasonally uh, more popular, more accessed than others? Yeah, it's, it's really uh, across the board. Uh, Tom, you know, it, it, people go through the different uh, series. So there's, there's no, um, well, let, let, me, let me say that I haven't done an in-depth analysis on that question. Mm-hmm. I, I, will know, I do know that there's, um, certain ones which which crop up his Romans series is is always uh, very popular, but the, but there are so many out there. So I, I don't have the the data to say if there's any particular series. And I can I can certainly try and dig in and do that. It'd be fascinating to know uh, mm-hmm. because and and at different times, you know, when there's national tragedies, international tragedies, there's so much resource from what Lloyd Jones preached that would be very helpful to highlight mm-hmm. and make readily accessible. And, um, you know, I hadn't even thought about doing that, but that's something that we could easily do uh, through our own social networks. It just call attention to specific resources from the trust that speak to the moment, speak to the issues of the day as they're unfolding. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, <laughs> Dr. Lloyd Jones, so many of his sermons, though he preached them decades and decades ago, are so applicable today. Yeah. Uh, it seems as though some of them he's preaching them today. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. I, it's a lesson for us as preachers. You know, you can be very easily influenced by what's going on today, and that becomes the sole focus of uh, what you try to communicate. But if you do that, then you're going to be irrelevant in uh, a month or two or mm-hmm. a year or two. Mm-hmm. But Lloyd-Jones yeah, dealt yeah. with a text. He dealt with a text. That's yeah, no, that's right, Tom. And his philosophy was he would always be under pressure. Don't forget, he... Was, he arrived at Westminster Chapel right at the beginning of the Second World War. Then he preached right the way through the, the Cold War and some of the darkest days. And he would always be under pressure from people to speak from the pulpit about these matters. But he would resist that temptation. And he would bring up those topics as they came up in the text. Mm-hmm. That was his, you know, he, the, it, the text speaks in many ways, but he, he refused the temptation to move to the, 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 the topics that were relevant for, for that day and just stuck to the text mm-hmm. and preached um, what was there and trusted God's word to speak at it in its own timing. 
you know so there, it's a, i hear there were often times people trying to convince him to do otherwise but he was resistant i think that his his training as a, a medical doctor god used mm-hmm. that wonderfully well the, the, the puritans talk about uh, pastors being physicians of the soul and mm-hmm. i think lloyd jones saw that grasped that and and does that so well i I remember, yeah. I think it's in the biography, We uh, a younger pastor contacted him, said, I'm going to quit, you know, I just need to get out of the ministry. And so he's talking to him on the phone, and after a few minutes, he said, here's what you must do immediately, talk to your leaders, and schedule a, a vacation, a holiday at the sea. And the guy said, well, I'm, I'm going to quit the ministry, why are we talking yeah. about a holiday? And so he said, just do it, and the man respected him enough and did it, and came back, and it was completely refreshed. And Lloyd-Jones just recognized, you know, with, with his analytical skills and diagnostic skills, there's more going on here than just a, a, a depression that uh, is spiritually based. This man's exhausted. This mm-hmm. man just needs to exhale a little bit. And that kind of wisdom yeah. comes through. Yeah, no, I think his, his medical training um, helped tr- tremendously. You know, in God's providence, he went to, I think, you know, you have to remember he was one of the sharpest minds mm-hmm. scheduled to be um, the king's physician, uh, you know, I say scheduled, but one who would be seen to be in line to follow Lord Horder as his assistant. And Lord Horder was uh, tremendously, um, uh, tremendously admired Lloyd Jones's intellect. And, uh, you know, his training was at uh, St. Bartholomew's, which is known for its uh, rigor. I heard recently, I just came back from uh, visiting uh, back home in London, I did the uh, there's a tour there called the Christian Heritage Tour, and it was wonderful. We went to Westminster Chapel, talked a bit about the history, and the gentleman there said, um, it, you, there was a saying apparently um, that about these St. Bartholomew students, of which Lloyd-Jones was one and probably one of the best, and they said, you can always tell a Bartsman, that was Barts as in St. Bartholomew, you can always tell a Bartsman, but you can't tell him anything. That was, the, <laughs> that was the saying that they were so well trained. They knew him. They had quite a reputation. These Bart's doctors, and that's where where he came from. Mm. But I think what it did was it 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 led to much of his style. It let, it informed his style of preaching in this way. He would always ask these deep mm. questions of the text, and he would bring up the the questions. Even if you're not thinking those questions, when he asks anything, like, what a great question, and then in his style seeks to answer them. And apparently, the the, the residents that, that would go around the wards, the the um, the senior uh, the doctor um, would walk around with the residents, and he would just question them. You know, he'd question them on what's wrong with this, why isn't it this, what about that, and he would expose their ignorance, mm. thereby training them in that in that method. And uh, Lloyd-Jones could stand up to that, and it helped him when, in a couple of ways in his style of preaching, but also in his, in his uh, fight with um, some of the tendencies in orthodoxy that were going on at the time to question the authority of the Bible. And I think that was remarkable, that at a time when it was all about science and science disproving the Word of God, God raised up a preeminent scientist, who would defend the word of God with all his worth, the authority of the scripture, God's word breathed out through men. And he defended that with scientific exegesis. And, uh, you know, I, I remember if you watch online and YouTube, there are a couple of just tremendous uh, interviews that, that he did. There's not, a lot, there's not a lot of information out there. That, sadly, there are no videos of Dr. Lloyd-Jones 
preaching that we that the 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 certainly anybody that I've ever heard of, I've asked around, and the trust doesn't know of. Um, but in one of the interviews, he was questioned on this topic about science disproving the Bible and science is is doing all this. I remember he made a point. I think it was about the thyroid. He said years ago, the thyroid they thought was just a vestigial gland, <laughs> something from a you know a, a previous uh, use of man's evolution. Now we know much more about it, and it's essential. So he would you know be able to stand up to the to the scientists on those topics, and that was refreshing, and that was needed, I think, mm. at that time in evangelical history to stand up for the authority of God's word. Yeah, amen. So, Greg, if somebody was not familiar with Lloyd Jones and they listen to this conversation and they say, you know, I want to, I want to check this out. I'd like to to learn a little bit about him, learn from him. Do you have any recommendations on where someone should start? Uh, what what would be uh, something you would set before a person who's interested but doesn't know anything about Lloyd Jones, a, a, a Christian that wants to grow? in the grace and knowledge of Christ, and now they're hearing this, and they say, I'm going to access that. Where would you point them first in the MLJ Trust website? Oh, that's a great question, Tom. Um, let's see. Um, I really enjoyed the the great biblical doctrine series. Um, he goes through some of the, do- the core key doctrines of the faith, and actually I was teaching yesterday and going through some of his uh, – teachings um from that series um it just it's it's good to go back i feel like i need to go back through them again so that that, that i think is a great uh, start the, the biblical doctrine series um in terms of someone who's perhaps aspiring to the to the ministry i think as you mentioned his preaching and preachers is uh, is wonderful and uh it, it gives the gravity that he held to the to the pastoral office the, the weight of it and uh, he he talks a bit about that. I think it, it, that would be a great grounding for someone who is aspiring to handle handle God's word because it just gives it the due weight and glory that's associated with it, and also the style. You know, apparently he was a very uh, funny man personally, but in the, he 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 says um, there's actually a Christianity Today he did an interview. Um, in the, just before his death in 1979 with Carl F. Henry, and I read that, I came across that recently. It's a good interview. And in it, he says, uh, they asked him, why didn't you ever do any um, humor? And um, he said, I could just never bring myself to do it. It was too important. I, I saw myself as standing uh, between a sinner and eternal hell and damnation, and I couldn't bring myself. I saw the seriousness of my topic. And he could never bring himself to, to to go to that. Now, that was his philosophy. Of course, you, you have others like Spurgeon, who I think are one of the few who could handle uh, that levity mm. in the pulpit. Um, but with him, it was not something that he ever did. Although personally, apparently he was a very humorous man. And uh, his family will tell you a wonderful father and grandfather and leader of his family, full of warmth, love and compassion, which is mandated for any gospel minister. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm on the website right now, mljtrust.org, and it's organized so that there are sermons. You can click on sermons and on the right side of the page comes up sermons on authority, on the book of Acts, on Ephesians, John, Romans, Christmas sermons, uh, face-to-face with Christ, a little series, a sermon on a series on the gospel. So th- this is a wealth of wonderful, rich 
spiritual resources. Encourage you to access this website and spread it around, and let's uh, do what we can to help people learn and benefit from the wonderful ministry of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Greg, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you being with us here on the Sword and Trial. Look forward to the next opportunity we get to meet again face-to-face. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Yep. Thanks for joining us today on the Sword and Trial. We hope that you will join us again next week as we have another one of these conversations.